Geek Shock. Geek Shock. We better run. Run into the mystic night. Whatever you, you, know, you, you. It used to rain for like five days, but it'd be like a mist or a spit or something. Mm-hmm. Now, every time it rains, it's like a torrential downpour. And every it, single it, one. Is it acid? Like you go out in the rain, you die? No, that you, was during you, the 80s. Melt? Oh, okay. That was during the 80s. Oh, before. When the when, U.S. When, when, when government regulations changed that? <laughs> oh, acid rain. That's right, libertarians. <laughs> you are correct, sir. God damn <laughs> it. Days of acid rain. Yeah, it's a lot of time. Yeah. That's right. But market and forces would have changed that if we had just not meddled with the government. <laughs> yeah. So the wind pattern from the northern states and central states goes right up into uh, southern Canada, and we get all the acid rain. It was fun. Mm-hmm. It's 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 an American kiss. Yeah, I, I remember know. hearing about that. Acid rain is an international issue. And I was like, well, why? Oh, Canada. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> our, our little, our, our younger redheaded stepbrother. I forgot all about him. No, but now it's the cool redheaded stepbrother yeah. where everyone wants to hang out with That's now. True. Well, yeah. you, you know, so long as you got Trudeau, the next time you you bring in a sixty year old asshole, don't who, who you're, yells you're, at everybody. Your Ford Plus is coming. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ford Plus. Wow. That's the new Ford Plus. <laughs> We've run out of ideas, yeah, of course. <laughs> Ford Plus. Ford Plus. <laughs> the Model T. Yeah, really. Oh, we've had this is the model U. Shit, the model T. Model T Part Two. Fuck, (laughs) fucking a Trudeau, Macron. That's you know that's some cool shit out there. Yeah, and it's I'm amazed that there are people the the Ford Trudeau who look at uh, look at Trump and they're just like, that's the car I want to ride in. (laughs) I want to be seen in that car. You don't want your leader up at all hours of the day tweeting you. The new H4. Actually, you know what? In a way, I kind of wish he was up at all hours of the day tweeting and doing nothing else. And he doesn't drink. You know? I never see him drink. So the scary thing is, all that is sober. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> Jeez. Here's a perspective. There you go. Let's wait for that picture. He's got a couple of bottles of Smirnoff. I love the Russian people. I don't think I've ever seen him drink. No, nah, but I never I, looked for it either. I wouldn't, yeah, I never looked for it. But and you know what? I wouldn't be surprised. Hitler was a vegetarian. I mean, <laughs> you know, there are people out there who are fucking weird, and they're still destructive. Speaking of Hitler, did you see the all those artifacts found in Argentina? Mm-mm. In a hidden room, all the Nazi. Oh, artifacts? really? Yeah, a whole bunch of little Hitler skulls from his clone failures. <laughs> this one didn't take. Put him uh, in the like, room. It's like statues, uh, money. Wow. Um, well, a lot of them went there. Yeah. So. You know, it's a bad time, but you need to remember it. So I hope nothing happens to that stuff. They put them in a museum somewhere. Oh, are you kidding me? There's some Simon Wiesenthal Center thingy is going to scoop that shit right up and put it out there and, and go, fuck. <laughs> that's that's yeah. the marketing yeah. angle they're going to take. Yeah, it's, it's just. No, 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 no. Nine, nine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> the, the, you know the the yeah no the dangerous but, thing the, the, we've seen it we see it now the dangerous thing is not forgetting what the Nazis did we are remembering the dangerous thing 
is the people who are doing Nazi stuff who say, no, 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 no we're not Nazis. And people are like, no, 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 they're not Nazis. And they yeah. vote for them or they support their candidates. That's the dangerous thing. You know, or the best one is this incredibly insipid socialism leads to Nazism thing oh, yeah. that there are millions of people who fucking believe it and are totally on board with uh, socialism. That's where, that's where Nazism comes from. <laughs> so it's like so long as you're pro-corporate, pro-business and want government out of economics, you're not a Nazi. doesn't matter what racist, anti-Semitic, stupid shit you say. I'm not a Nazi. I, I don't want the government uh, regulating acid rain into Canada. <laughs> but living in both the countries, by far, I would go back in a heartbeat. Well, socialism you, you is by far Boliv better. Bolivia, is that what you said? No, no, Bolivia. No. Bolivia, you in go, a heartbeat. You go, right. heartbeat. I would no. go back. To Bolivia. No. <laughs> no. No. Back to Canada. Oh. I, I've, I've lived in both systems, and by far, that is way better. <laughs> experience. Experience. Trumps whatever you fuck oh, you guys are gonna say. Bum, 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 bum. So fuck it. <laughs> That's my rant over. Wow, we just Sorry. lost like six listeners and gained eight. <laughs> and gained eight. That's right. Somebody woke up in bed and was like, "Wait, geek shock! I gotta listen to that shit because something awesome just happened. It was in my dream. Oh, there was, I had a dream. There the was socialist was speaking to me from the great white north." <laughs> And, and I, I got to listen to it now. Turn it on. And I had a need for parking and books. <laughs> parking, books, and freedom! Oh, freedom! I'm, I'm free now. I'm so free. Oh! That's my alarm going off. Yeah. The note that's on it is... Happy birthday, Professor Biggs. Happy birthday, Professor Biggs. His, his birthday Whoa. was actually last week on Wednesday. Right. It was right after we recorded. And I was like, do we, do we, pre, do we premature celebration? Because I know that there are some people out there who hate the whole premature. They get disappointed in you. They don't ask you for the third date. Nah. <laughs> so I was like, you know, if, if we draw it out, make them wait for it. They like it and appreciate it better. So... Happy birthday, Biggs. Happy birthday, Biggs. You big DC high blood pressure bastard, you. <laughs> We're doing pre-show rambling. Uh, Jeff is coming back from work. Yes. So the show has officially started, but th That's you're true. probably going to hear this anyway. And, and for some reason, uh, uh, without Jeff, we seem to ramble anyway. I don't yeah. know. That's uh, just throw We're, The three of us are doing our job to fill the void left by Jeff not being here. That's right. He, he said he's left his work, so he's he is on his way here. He left his work. He quit for good. Mad, <laughs> madman. Well, you wow, know Jeff. Shit. Well, also you must be earning mad money to be supporting all these people. <laughs> By the way, can you loan me <laughs> six hundred bucks? Yeah. And there's a massive void to be filled with Andy. Oh, like there's a massive void. There's no That's, Andy tonight. Yeah, the the Jeff is going to be late. Yeah, the Paul chair is empty. It has no Andy. Is are we gonna go ahead and call it? No. Thou shall not say that name. Oh, ah. Andy. I'm so okay. <laughs> wow. Yeah, the, let's the create, one create a little tension. <laughs> no, it's like Jesus. the one whose name. What is it? Bonzo. No. <laughs> then I don't. Know. Oh, uh, 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 no, 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 Luddite. No. Just Michael. <laughs> just Michael. Just Michael. That's yeah, the one. Just Michael. Oh, what are they calling he Harry Potter? He was so the offensive. One yeah. say. Oh my He's God, out. he was he was the worst. Oh, gee, we, getting rid of that guy. Oh my God. And that major man guy. We just sat there. Didn't oh. chew anything. Didn't it, didn't you know uh, contribute his, to the show? His, his three episodes. God, 
It was so funny because he really, man, oh, man, the pre-game night conversations with politics and geekery, he had a lot to say. But it's a classic case of you get the microphone in front of the face. Sure. And I don't, I'm, I just, I don't want to say nothing. It's one of the reasons. It's actually, in an extended way, Major Meh is one of the reasons why I get pissed when people say acting is easy. Anybody no. can act. Yeah, no. You know, you know, it's like... Yes, they can. No. Yeah. <laughs> Don't hit me! Okay, <laughs> sit is back Is that down. your water bottle? <laughs> is that your ass? Yeah. No, but it's, it's, it's just like, won't hurt. you know, when people know that, they're, that there's a certain level of scrutiny, it's amazing how it will affect their presentation. Yeah. And not just in being something else, just being themselves. So, because holy mackerel, we could we would have endless we we could have hours of conversations. Sure, and I, I know I know actors that are so tied to the script that they couldn't do something like this. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So where where they have to embody a character right. in order to speak. Yeah, improv training and experience, I think, is actually an awesome thing for actors definitely not just a practical thing of like if you're in theater and things go off the rails right you get back on but also just in terms of the lessons in getting in the moment and the 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 immediacy of response because so much of improv as i was learning from paul when he would teach because he's an extraordinary teacher is the impulse going with that impulse and not thinking it through. You're your own worst editor. Don't editor. Hmm. Editorize. Editorialize yourself. And it was really, I mean... Editors are for writers. <laughs> that makes sense. Because you're going to be harder on yourself than... Well, sure. You're your else, own yeah. worst critic. You, you, you have self-doubt. You question what you're going with. And what that happens is you go with something worse... Or it just disrupts timing, it disrupts pacing, everything fall is off and it falls apart. There endeth the rant. That's my rant. There you go. I, I had a nice rant. That was listening to you, Mr Mr. Burn America Down. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's not my fault you're standing in the fire already. Yeah, really. Yeah. Okay. I know, I love that one picture. The the I don't know, a dog or something just sitting at the table oh, and the house yes. is burning. This is fine? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm here to offer you insurance. I had so many I had a few friends who were like, Oh, oh, I want to see it all burn down. I want to see it all come down. And it's like no, you don't. fuck knob. Yes. You live in this country. Yeah. It's gonna come down around you. You really think you're gonna be standing on the outside. Watching this happen, you think that you could live the life of a hunter gatherer along all the people learning to be hunter gatherers? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was watching Bill Burr, comedian, the other day. He was so he's funny because awesome. yeah. he was talking about the zombie apocalypse, and he's like, "Yeah, you get your windmill, you get your food stocked up, you, know, you, know, you got it all done. You're growing <laughs> your vegetables, but you don't have a gun. All you're doing is building up supplies for the guys who's got the gun." <laughs> And it's like, it's so true. Jesus. I, I, I just heard Bill Burr's voice there the whole time you were speaking. Oh, thank you. Know. I love him. He's, he's fucking hysterical. I listen hysterical. to his podcast. So. He's fucking hysterical. I watch, oh, I, dude, I went on a wonderful journey of, of outrage and, and acerbic irony. Because I also Ooh. watched, I rewatched Anthony Jeselnik's piece, Thoughts and Prayers. Okay. Have you watched his thing? I don't think I have. Dude, he is, he's fucking grim and <laughs> his shit is dark it's like 
he kicks off with dead baby jokes and goes on from there. <laughs> okay. So, and he's he's very funny. One of his things is the I forget. There actually, I'm sure there is a term for it. He does the kind of hanger jokes, where he starts talking in one direction, gives it a beat for everyone to start laughing, and then he throws out a punchline release that goes in a totally different direction. And of course, my brain not working. I I don't have an example to give you, which really sucks. But Anthony Jesselnik, thoughts and prayers. It's his one special. Is that on um, Netflix? It's it's on Netflix. Definitely watch it, because that and he is a he is incredible at timing. You watch him working, and you can see that he has he he fucking has every beat down. But it doesn't come across so artificial that you're taken out of it or you don't enjoy the work. Yeah. It, his, but his beats, he, I swear to Christ, it seems like from start to finish, he has every beat measured out and premeditated. And it was like that, too. I saw him at the South Point, Christopher Titus. Oh, Titus. Jesus, fuck. Yeah. I was like, I was, I was kind of on the fence because I didn't really like a show he had. What was it called? Like. Titus. Titus. <laughs> was it well, Titus? Apparently, yeah. it made a big uh, impression on Maple Leaf. It wasn't uh, that funny. So they're like, yeah, we'll get tickets. I'm like, all right, well, whatever. Live comedian. Should right. be kind of funny. Right. Never. Didn't stop laughing the whole time. Two hours. Well, it, it's, from start to finish. It's funny how it just, some series, they cannot pick up on what makes this stand up good. And then other series, they will. And they'll figure it out. But uh, and sometimes, sometimes <laughs> a really forget, good. Stand-up. George Carlin had a comedy TV show at one point. Yeah, there you yeah. go. That's right. Uh, that guy, Thomas uh, the Engine, uh, Bill Cosby. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So picture pages, picture pages. <laughs> open up your picture pages. <laughs> yeah. With hey, your hey, hey! And your pencil. Oh yeah. man. Yeah. That's what. That's part of Cap- Captain Kangaroo, right? Picture pages, or what? That a separate thing. I don't know. I think I don't know I don't anymore. Know. I remember Andy. it from my youth, but I can't we need remember Andy what here. From. I honestly don't know much about Cosby. I, I the Cosby family or whatever the Cosby show, yes. Right. But uh what else did he do? Jello commercial? <laughs> what <laughs> he else had, did he do? He had Fat Albert and he had a hell of a stand up career prior to the Cosby show. Yeah. His comedy albums yeah. they were really, good, I, I, informative I, for a lot of comedians. Dude, I have got a half dozen cassettes that are his comedy albums. He now, is if you listen to those now, are you like supporting that bad supporting? Uh, well, I'm not, I, I, they're already bought. No, like, should yeah. you not listen to them now after all? I this haven't stuff has listened come to, to light? them in some time. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, was, it would be hard to separate that. I would yeah, say that. Yeah, it does. You'd be thinking like, was he thinking about this joke when he was roofing that chick and you know taking probably her not. <laughs> I'm gonna say probably I'm going to limb say no. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I can go on that limb. You know, yeah, it's just man. How disturbing that is. So it's funny because the the comedy stuff that I own, I think I have a Carlin in there somewhere, but I actually have a mess of Cosby and a mess of Robin Williams. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, my favorite uh, album of his is Throbbing Python of Love. Whoa, I don't know this one. Yeah, and it it's actually pretty fucking funny. All it's, I really know is the Live at the Met. Right. Yeah. 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 There are a few of his bits that are in there too. Okay. Because, but yeah, it's just. I don't know. I, I'm not really huge. I'm gonna get some flack for this. Fuck, you're in a mood tonight, no, aren't I'm you? No, I'm just it's not just... because he he's like, 
Williams? Yeah, it's almost like I'm watching him, and he's like, is he coked up right now? Is he fucking, like, he's not some of style. At one like, point, yes. And I didn't find it funny or amusing. It's like, he's like, oh, he's over here, and then he's over here, and then he's down there, and then he's over there, and then it's like, that's not funny, but he's over here. That's funny. Right. But it's, well, sometimes it's seeing where he's going to go, what he's going to do, you know? In some ways, he's Paul, but he's a 33 played at 78. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So... I remember one Robin Williams stand-up special, a young one, like his first one, and one that was an obvious cocaine time. And, yeah, it's super frantic. He is. He was incredibly high energy. He didn't really need that shit, I, I didn't think. Mm-hmm. But, well, he. I watched but, the interview of him with Jon Stewart before um, he left that show, and uh, he did heroin a lot, too. Oof. He was talking about doing heroin. Yeah, well, a lot of people did that. I mean, that's what killed Belushi. We had the the awful uh, autopsy revelation about poor Carrie Fisher, mm. which is heartbreaking. I mean, she she apparently, you know, her she couldn't overcome her demons, uh, even though she tried, and she certainly advocated against it. So I am. Um, I've got, I mean, Jesus, when I look at like... Are you going to tell us about your heroin issues? Well, I was going to say, when I open up the fridge <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I discovered I'm out of Coke Cherry Zero ah. and the feeling that puts in the pit of my stomach, I'm very glad I've never done drugs because I don't fucking have a clue as to where I would go in life because, you know... I got a clue. <laughs> you know, so when I hear the story of the people who really did the hard shit and, and it... And it finally got to them. It finally, you know, worked, did its work. It's, I can't imagine, I can't imagine what it would take to, to, to break free of it and stay free. I can't. I'm exactly like you because I, World of Warcraft, dude, that, that might have been my heroine playing that back yeah, in the day. Yeah, sure, you know. But if I was on a hard drug like that, I probably wouldn't be here right now. Man. My dad Addictive gam- personality. My dad was a kid in the Navy. He gambled a lot. He played a lot of poker. He told me he played a lot of poker. And he said that he eventually stopped playing because he, like, at one point stood back and realized this really could destroy me. And it was really funny because in later years here in Vegas, he actually became very fond of nickel uh, video poker. And Aha. he and my mom could really, they, they would call it, we're going out to play. And they go to the local dives, the, the rainbow or the skyline, which Vegas locals know. And they would go there. And, dude, they would leave at about 6 p.m. There were times when my late 60s, early 70s parents would come home at 5 or 6 in the morning. Oh, wow. Because they would just play their nickels all fucking night. So... But it was like, okay, it's nickels, at least, you know. We're not losing the house. So it's like <laughs> Just my, the car. my dad is not totally consumed by it, apparently. Uh, but then again, watching how smoking dominated their lives. And boy, oh boy, did it fucking do it. There was a lot when I was a kid that chemically I look at shit and I'm like, eh. But then I got my other vices, you know. Don't we all? Pops. Yeah. Pops. pops. No, <laughs> pops. It, it's funny, dude. If pops were a problem... <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, with with all of the help and generosity of friends and fans over the past few months, I'm hanging on. If I had a problem with pops, I probably would have already lost the house now. <laughs> you know, I'd already be in fucking trouble. 
Because uh, that mortgage payment can buy a fuckload of... I'd have that Dr. Zayas. Yes! I would finally have Dr. Zayas. And I'd be out in the street with my Dr. Zayas, you know, and a pile of long boxes of comics yes. just sitting on the street. Maybe build them in a little fort, give me some yeah. shade. Right on the corner. I saw and that some today. shelf space for your box. Yeah, <laughs> yeah really. And, and little, little cubbies for this presentation. That's what keeps the cops away. They won't give you the ticket... Right or arrest you if you if it's if it's all in kind of nice good yeah. presentation. I saw that today. I actually uh, uh, stopped by the uh, the Target shopping center by where I live. If that's vaguely familiar to you, and on the opposite end of it, there's like a little uh, road that leads into the wash. I forget the wash that's right there behind it. It's a Henderson wash. That's the where the water comes down. Exactly, the, rains. the, the, the flood waters. And um, every there, 10 years, there's a bunch of. Yeah, exactly. Right. You know, if we're lucky and there's a bunch of trees there and I'm driving out and I see this woman walking up that road and I'm like, oh, what the hell was she? And I look down and there is a dude lying on the asphalt in the shade with his head propped on the curb, a little bottle of water next to him, obviously homeless. And apparently it was officially set. We broke a record today in heat. And this poor bastard was sitting right there, and obviously he, he had nowhere to go. It was actually, you know, kind of sad to see. And then I saw that woman. I was like, do I need to stop? You know, and, and, you know she obviously didn't hit him or anything. So, And um, I saw her getting on her cell phone at her SUV, so I think she was calling uh, somebody to, to get this guy some kind of help. But he was out of it, too. He was just lying there and his head kind of rocking back and forth. Because that's some nasty heat. It's, it's dangerous in Vegas right now. Plain Holy crap. Dangerous. Although people are so fucking amusing. It's, it's like, I'm posting fucking, you know, oh, my God, 117 degrees today. I'm in the house. I'm unemployed. I'm not exactly going anywhere. And I keep getting this, don't forget to drink water. Drink lots of water. It's like, guys, I've got... I've got air conditioning. I, yeah, I'm in a house. I'm in a, it, it, you know. <laughs> the water uh, bill is uh, paid granted, this month. Financially, it's, you know, it's, water drinking is the least of my problems right now. Thank you. <laughs> so, who's this Mormon who just walked into the fucking door? Yeah, some dude in a white shirt, wow. buttoned down, black. Sir, sir, we, we, okay, I will take my second copy of Book, Book of Mormon oh, if, there you, we if go. you got one. I'll, I'll take it. I'd sure. love to hear, let me talk to you about our Lord and Savior in Jeff's voice. That would... Come on, Jeff, give us one. <laughs> give us one. You know, Come on. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Welcome, folks, to Geek Shock number 393. I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. Maple Leaf Matt. And that was the longest introduction Woo! pre-show oh. Geek Shock we've ever... We rambled. I figured I had to be at least through uh, news you don't give a shit about. No, we here. will not start without you, 80s Jeff. You are yeah. not that lucky. Yeah, <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> you know, I was pumping it up in a positive direction, Torgo, <laughs> until you fucking sank that. You know what's what's funny? Uh, you, you're talking about Mormonism and, and the, the outfit that it I'm wearing for work. It is funny, you're The church I was raised in was an offshoot of the Mormon church. And no shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, my mother one time. Oh, we lost. We lost Matt. We Matt, lost that Matt wasn't that a joke. 
I was honestly like, wow. No, no, One time, LDS missionaries came to our front door, and my mom went out on the porch, sat down with them with the Book of Mormon, and oh, debated shit. them for Holy about shit. an hour wow. about the differences in the, the two churches. Well, that's it like, was, it was like, quite Jesus amusing to watch. Christ, it's like we, the cosmic uh, nihilism of some Jehovah's Witnesses knocking on the door of a Mormon's house. And if the if the Mormon opens the door, I'm pretty sure the whole neighborhood would just implode <laughs> into this into this uh, like a, it's like a theological Schwarzschild radius where things would just collapse and suck everything around it in. <laughs> they changed strategies too. The uh, Jehovah Witnesses uh, they came to my door like three weeks ago, oh. and it's two old ladies. Uh-huh. So I felt like I don't want to shut my door on these poor old ladies. It's like you bat. I, I, I sat there twenty minutes listening <laughs> to them spiel, and I closed the door, and I'm like, they fucking got me. They're the uh, they're Those, the they're the winner at that church for three months running. Uh, that's right. <laughs> they got the in. points. They're going to Bermuda <laughs> next uh, fall. It's amazing, and they get at least three magazine subscriptions. <laughs> Good housekeeping and Rolling Stone. <laughs> <laughs> Gentlemen, what geeky things you do this week? Absolutely nothing. I don't stop think. You, stop you it. do it this. You do every time. You know, no, too much no. golf. Every That's time I work, I work seven days in a row, so I didn't really have time to do anything. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, you're, so what geeky things are you going to spend your money on? Yeah. But you got? I don't know, I don't know yet. Oh, how, wow. how about Amazing Comic Con this weekend here in Las Vegas? There you go. Saturday, I my friend. I forgot about that. Friday through Sunday. That's why I'm reminding you. If you live in Vegas, it's happening. Las Vegas Convention Center. Uh, we've lost Wizard Con, so this is our big con yeah, now. Yeah, it was about two months ago. I act. Whoa! Oh, he's naked now. Holy crap! Jesus Christ, dude! What a transformation! <laughs> Stripped right down. Jeff is at least put on a shirt. Another person. Jesus! Wow. Flex you a know, <laughs> for the same person that's also wearing <laughs> exercise shorts right now. You have no room to talk, sir. Yeah, oh, at least, at least I has a, see. At least he has a shirt on. I Jesus. see. This is I all have about a shirt me. On. I, I am Next no more or less dressed than Commander K right now. Well, listen. And listen, I'm the one that's getting caught. Listen, I, I, that crop top doesn't exactly equal shirt. Yeah. Hey, if you got it, flaunt it, man. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> wow. I, I mean, I could go put on a Hawaiian shirt like Matt. That's right. Like. Yeah, really? That's right. I'm Jesus. in vacation mode right now. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely the best dressed of any of us. Well, now. You were a few moments ago. Yeah. Uh, so we're talking Amazing Con yes. this weekend. This weekend. You got plans on it. I have my tickets already purchased. Kay's going. I'm hoping to go if work doesn't call me in. Kay's going because his friend Bonnie is going to be there, too. Yeah, Bonnie, Bon Bon, um, our Bonnie, who worked at Star Trek The Experience and was later uh, in the Quest reality show, will be appearing there with her library bards. She's oh. doing a voiceover for Street Fighter. She does voiceover work. Amongst yeah. other things, Among the, yeah. Amongst other things, yeah. Very, very talented uh, singer, uh, musician, as well as voice artist. So, And great overall person. Isn't her really. partner in the Library Bards also... Wasn't he on uh, King of the Nerds on TBS? Yeah, Xander, yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, uh, yeah. I remember... I, I thought yeah. I remembered him being in something like yep. that. So. Yep. Yeah. Good Are you going to go see Stan Lee? Uh, I have seen Stanley many times, but oh, I of course they, I of course want back. to Best see buddies. him. Way I, way I of course want to see him again because I mean, you know, it's getting up there. This is probably one of his few. Uh... Well, you know, it's funny because I I remember there was a, a a post for one of the other local cons saying that was going to be his last convention, and then he's done like four or five more since then. So I think keeps on ticking, man. I think that's what keeps him alive, to be honest, because. 
I mean, the guy's 94. He's like weekend at Bernie's. It's he's like just Disney with like. No, he just him. he's still he still has fun going to these things. He still enjoys meeting people and. So yeah. now there's also another nerd event. If you live here in Las Vegas, there is a store opening up next to the Pinball Hall of Fame called Nerdgasm. Oh yeah, yeah, or, or what you get every time you tune into this show every week. That's right. Um, and uh, they seem to be a high-end geek store. Oh, you've mentioned this place before. Yeah, I, I, they gave yeah, me a finally peek. opening. They gave me a sneak peek of the place a couple months ago. But uh, yeah, they're finally opening. I guess Stan Lee's going to be there to cut the red tape. Oh, cool. Uh, Peter Mayhew's going to be there. He's also going to be at the Amazing Con. Holy crap. When, when, when? So uh, Friday is when they're opening up. So wow. if you live in Vegas and you want to see the opening with the with the Stan Lee's and the Mayhew's. That place is so high-end, though. I can't go because they require a bank statement where you show your balance. And a bow tie. And, yeah. And if you're too low, you're just you're not going to make it. But yeah, they sell old comic books, movie props, autographs. They have like a small selection of, of like action figures, Star Trek action figures, and but mostly the things I saw were really, really nice stuff. So I might have to go by there. So I'd be curious to see how that place evolves over time. And again, they also have a karaoke stage. How that fits in, I don't know, but that's what they've got. That brings all the women in. Well, Jake will like it then. Is Jake a karaoke guy? Oh Jesus! <laughs> Apparently that was that was like his. What's uh, wrong with karaoke? The, the, oh Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> you fucking people with your singing and your s- stuff and and being happy. Oh, you know what? <laughs> Fuck that! This is life. This is the world. The noise, Just, noise. The, the world noise. sucks. Buy a helmet. Get on with it. Well, this week I finally had my first virtual reality experience. PlayStation oh. VR. Oh. You mean the first one in like 20 years? Yes. Uh, that doesn't count. <laughs> yes. I was going to say, because we've done VR before. It wasn't did, quite as advanced as this. We did VR in the 90s, dude. Yeah. That wasn't VR. Early 90s. That was garbage. Even then, we, we felt cool because we got to put this stuff on. Sure. But what we saw was crap. But PlayStation VR, I was sold immediately. My God, that's so immersive. I only played two things on it. One, I can't even remember. One's the music game by Harmonix, which is basically a fry toy when it comes down to it. And the other one is that uh, haunted house on rail shooter. But man, you don't realize the immersion of that 3D until you have the, the goggles on. Mm-hmm. One that I was looking forward to playing was the Bridge Commander one, the Star Trek one. Oh, yeah. After seeing these two games, I want to play them all. I'm hoping to have the PlayStation VR system here in a month or so. Wow. That's uh, I'm, I'm I'm saving up like all the coins that I make from work that Mm -hmm. I save up for Amazon. Amazon. I'm hopeful they'll play for like a third of it. Wow. Yeah, really. <laughs> What's it like? Eight hundred bucks or five hundred bucks or something stupid? Five hundred if you oh. get the the headset, the two wands for your hand, and the camera. And uh, yeah, you need all that for it to work properly. Of course. But the one I played was on not a PlayStation Pro; it was on a regular PlayStation. I had a great experience. I imagined it is better with the Pro. But if it worked that well with the regular PlayStation, I'm in. I'm happy. Wow! Holy mackerel! What else you do, gents? I finished binge watching the latest uh season of shield 
Ah, uh, yes. Still mm-hmm. happy with it? Yeah. Really, really enjoyed it. It's funny. Uh, the first time I heard the theme music, I was like, oh, shit, I've missed this. So I was really, really happy with it. I was... Uh, I don't know who the what the actor's name is. I should have looked it up before we got on. The guy who plays Fitz. Yes. The scientist Fitz. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, this, and this season... They they do I, I, without getting too spoilery. They do a evil version of some of the characters. Okay. And his evil ver- he he does a really nice job of just being this positively diabolical, sadistic. He was scary. Yeah. Like I was sitting there watching like one of the scenes where I, I'm sure Kay knows what, what I'm talking about, where he just ruthlessly kills somebody without batting an eyebrow yeah. and i was just like oh fuck because yeah. that was just totally not right. that character you, you're, that they've established you're waiting you're waiting for the moment when it doesn't happen and then it happens and you were like ah oh. there he has an interrogation scene and and it's funny because this 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 version of him he's in a three-piece suit with tie the whole works he actually sits at the interrogation table crosses one leg over the other. He's like leaning on the table with uh, one hand against his head as he's talking and gesturing. And he he is just so casually powerful and vicious. It just, I was, was just like, wow. Huh. Pr- props, dude. That was a great, that was a really, really great performance. I like that actor in that show anyway. Oh, I, yeah. So and th- this, he, oh. You, you might have brought me back on board. Oh, dude. It's, it, it is worth it just for, it's a bit of a start. When he first starts off as that character, I had a few moments of, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, it's uh, Ian de Casticker. Okay, it's a some, hard some, name some, to say. He's he's Scottish. Thank you. So. I feel vindicated. Yeah. Thank you very, very much. <laughs> Gonna take more than that to vindicate you. <laughs> but but he, he yeah it it's a it, the first few episodes where he's doing that you're sort of like, eh. but then yeah. he starts getting and in, rolling into it. And eventually you're like, this is, this is nasty. And uh, there's like one, uh, they had a couple of, in their season ender, they had a couple of final scenes. One of their final scenes was so well executed. It's the one with uh, John Hanna, Radcliffe. Mm-hmm. Um, they, it, the, that, his last scene of the season was just so well done. It was just perfect. So there, there's plenty about it. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. Happy, I totally interrupted my CW binge, my DC ah, binge. For the Marvel uh, action. To, yeah, go into. How dare you? I know. Big's the same right now. Uh, ter- yeah, is. really. <laughs> <laughs> I, but, really um, I really liked uh, Gabriel Luna as uh, Robbie Reyes, uh, Ghost Rider. I was so impressed with what they did with Ghost Rider. When I first saw those promos, I was like, fucking, for S.H.I.E.L.D.? What the fuck are you guys doing? And he's got a car. Jesus Christ, people. Do you even read the comics? But it, that was really impressive, what they did. What they wrote, his performance of the character, yeah. as well as their, their FX. That, it was some good well, stuff. Well, and apparently, because uh, somebody had asked Clark Gregg that in one of, the, one of the panels at one of the cons he was at. And he's like, well, if you do read the comics thoroughly, I guess uh, you would see that you know there has been character with the car yeah so it you know i because I, I, I was sitting there saying the same thing too and i'm like where's the f- freaking motorcycle but yeah that uh 
that souped up charger that he's driving and when the fire comes off the tires there and the fire starts spitting out the turbocharger on top i was just like or actually i'm sorry it's a supercharger not a turbocharger and uh, yeah it, I, I don't know the difference between those two things mad max yeah thank you for calling me that but i can't <laughs> accept that <name>. supercharger <laughs> is mechanically driven turbocharger runs off exhaust there you go all right because i, I know some some, some car nerd out there would call me out on it so I, I corrected myself Fine point. Fine There's point. no car. Gotta up my oh, show. come on. <laughs> you would be surprised how many nerds are car nerds too. Trust me, I you know, I and have an appreciation per- for a lot of the car stuff, but I'm not into it like I was when I was younger. And quit perpetuating stereotypes, Matt. Okay. You know, okay. really. Hey, I just want to say something out there. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. But, but it, yeah, it, I, I I loved it. I, yeah. I really did enjoy the season. And the and the CG fire effect didn't look cheesy. I was so afraid no. because they are on a TV budget, but yeah. the fact that they've gone 5 seasons now without getting, you know, cheapo on the CG that they've been using, I was very yeah. impressed. Yeah. Cuz even some of the close-ups when he starts raging and then just bursts into flame, I was just like it, it, Damn, that it, looks good. It's funny because he is he is doing a little bit, a little more non-fire activity right. than you would want from Ghost Rider or expect. But that's okay because the way they fold it in and when they do use the flaming skull, right? They 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 they, they, they had a workaround so that they could make it economical, and they did it. I was sold on him when they're in that. I don't know, refinery or whatever it was, and that uh, the guy who was facing off against grabs a chain and tries to smash him with the chain, and he grabs it out of the air and then lights it on, (laughs) and it just, like, the fire goes trailing right from his hand down to this enemy, and I was just like, Jesus, yeah, there's Ghost Rider, yeah. Yeah, it was good fun. Shield sounds like a fun show. Good, clean fun. You know (laughs) I did enjoy it. I've been pleased with it since that second half of the first season. Where they yeah. the the gloves came off, if it were, because even uh, uh, was it Kevin, uh, Kevin Fige was saying that uh, that really was the turning point because they they had to restrict the show and what they could do until Captain America Winter Soldier came out because sure. then then they could kind of go off and do their own stories and try to tie in as best as they can and they do a lot of reference to events in the movies so. Because even talk about Civil War, they talk about the uh, Sokovia Accords in this season. Yep, yep, that's all over the place. That's good. And how the, and how it's affecting the Inhumans too, which is a whole other subplot. But yeah, I'll talk about Gunslinger a little later, since that's going to be in the news a little bit. All right. Uh, but I do want to bring up a book that I brought up a long time ago. By that I mean like a couple of months ago. Remember I talked about there was a book I was reading, Ghost Road Blues that I'd wanted to read for a long time by Jonathan Mayberry, that it took place in a haunted forest. And I was excited because it was a a horror novel that took place in a, a haunted forest attraction in a small town called Pine Deep. Okay. Uh, I finally finished uh, that novel uh, this week as I've been like fitting it in here and there underneath Gunslinger. Uh, when I say that novel, that turned out to be a novel in the same way that Fellowship of the Ring is a novel. <laughs> There, there is three parts, and it is one long epic novel at about sixteen hundred pages. All right, right. When it all finished out, and I was really impressed by it. It's called the Pine Deep Trilogy. 
don't start it unless you're looking for an epic read because it is not a standalone novel. None of them are. One goes from one to the next. It's like Two Towers Return of the King, except the horror version, if you will. Uh, action horror, cool. adventure. Uh, a lot of fun characters. N- not a lot Not a Shades of Grey. It's, it's good versus evil. Very, very straight out on it. And what I was really disappointed to find out that the main focus of this book turned out to be vampires. All right. And, and you get that feel about halfway through Ghost Road Blues. I'm tired of vampires, even in the horror, scary vampires. I'm tired of them, uh, much less, you know, the, the frou-frou vampires. Jonathan Mayberry has such a background in folklore, especially European folklore. He's written a bunch of nonfiction books about it that he steeped this in such classic European folklore that I wasn't even aware of so they he created basically new vampires for me. nice because yeah that's always been a gripe about I've had about uh, using vampires in a lot of novels and especially movies yeah that's really cool suddenly you've got me interested so I, in fact I'm looking forward to reading some of Mayberry's nonfiction work on European folklore because by some of this stuff isn't even revealed until like the last novel and so you're you're constantly learning about folklore throughout it as it's slowly unveiling itself. So it, it was a new kind of monster, even though it was an old monster. Very cool. And many different kinds. Making the old new is actually a great yeah. idea. Anyone, Bram Stoker, I think, for because uh, Ghost Road Blues was his first novel. He he wrote nonfiction, uh, not just folklore. He also wrote books on martial arts. That's ah. that's where you got to start writing martial arts books. Is that is there a lot of that in the the novels where you're that, like these are great fight scenes, these are good uh, use of violence? And yes, action? yes, there is. Very There's, cool. That is in there. So, so yeah. If but again, if you only when you're willing to wrap your head around a sixteen hundred page epic, but you don't find large horror novels on that kind of scale because horror novels no. almost by definition are small stories. Yeah, a small group of characters confront something and either defeat it or they don't usually within 400 pages yeah standalone the works yeah Very so cool. so it was great to read a good book that lasted that long so that's what i did finished cool. that and uh anything else gentlemen i have um he's a uh, jolly good fellow he's becoming a uh, he's, bec- he's becoming obsessive now uh professor biggs uh-oh <laughs> um <laughs> Third viewing of Wonder Woman, it still holds up. It's a little obsessive. Yep. And, uh, quote, just in case Torgo misses it, it appears Warner Brothers has finally pulled its collective head out of its ass, re their superhero movies, unquote. I'm not sure what he's talking about. Uh, It's because there was an article that came out today that said uh, DC is, or or, excuse me, Warner Brothers, rather, since DC's not directly... um, producing the movies warner's is rethinking the whole dark nature of the films after how well wonder woman did hey it's so funny because remember pre watchman pre dark knight returns dc was seen as the optimistic almost silly 
kind yeah. of superhero. Even the Dark Burton ones were yeah, you quirky. Know, yeah. Dull Comfy. comics was the, the Marvel zombie joke about DC. And Marvel was gritty. Spider-Man in the 1970s, his girlfriend getting killed, uh, his best friend having drug problems. He yeah. was always thinking about quitting as a superhero. And they were supposed to be. And now everybody, it's the exact opposite in the movies. DC's dark and, and too dark and gritty. However you oh, feel yeah. about it. However you feel about it. DC's dark and gritty. And Marvel is optimistic, which I was... I, the whole juxtaposition is weird to me. Well, it depends on the character. Because the different character personalities... Wonder Woman is in a you know ridiculously positive character. Yeah. So you can't write her dark and gritty. Yeah. Flash is you know a very peppy positive you know almost (laughs) uh, i i should say sorry the character of barry allen is always trying to find the you know silver lining on and everything and you know no matter how things conspire against him in there he still stays you know peppy and positive so you can't really write him dark um I mean, Batman's the only one that they, you really can write dark because of his right. his history. And even the original Batman storylines sure. were quirky and weird and well, funny. You know, well, here. And that, so that's why rolling into like Batman 66, that, wasn't, that TV series wasn't perceived as being campy initially because the original comic books weren't campy up to that, or, or the comic books were campy up to that point. Well, here, so. uh, I'll, I'll give you a preview of Weekend Geek. Okay. And I'll go to the news item that had references. That seems like a good place to drop it in. Danny Elfman has taken over the duties for writing music for Zack Snyder's Justice League. Nice. Elfman came aboard the project just as Joss Whedon began reshoots for the superhero film. The pair worked together on Avengers Age of Ultron. Snyder, who left the film after a family tragedy, has previously hired Batman v Superman co-composer Junkie XL to score the film. Uh, But it seems now he's moving on to another project. It's unclear if any of his music is going to be used or if Elfman will do an entire score. Uh, Elfman also made memorable music for The Simpsons, Pee Wee Big Adventure, Dark Man, Men in Black, Beetlejuice, Dick Tracy, a bunch of them. Batman, Batman Returns. But he brings (laughs) a quirky pop quality to his work. Right. And this change is right in line with the new mantra at the DC Universe that we saw in Wonder Woman, and that mantra, according to Jeff Johns, is, quote, heart, humor, hope, heroics, and optimism, mm. unquote. So that's wow. what they have going forward. Damn. And uh, Justice League in reshoots currently opens November 17th. So that's... Although I have to say, Junkie XL, one of, one of the best action movie soundtracks comes from Fury Road. Yeah. Which was, Mad Max Fury and Road. And that yeah. was that was that was almost fucking operatic. Yeah. And it was it, really it, was. it 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 had its low points and its ooh, but it also was very uh had very high moments of heroism and of course ended on a on a very hopeful. The soundtrack ended on a very hopeful note. So, you know, it, it I I assume it's because Junkie XL is off on doing other stuff. Elfman coming in, I think that I would say the choice better reflects just the mere fact that he's very suited to where they want to go. Yeah. As opposed to reflecting some kind of change in the musicality. Because XL was, was that, that, I mean, well, we, we've gushed about Fury Road in the past, and 
<clears throat> it was perfect on so many levels, and the music was one of them. Have you still not been able to get Vernon to watch Fury Road? Oh, I, I don't even try anymore. <laughs> I don't even try dude. anymore. You know him. He gets that <laughs> bug in his ass. Yep. He can be inc- relentlessly oh, yeah. hostile. So I don't even try. It's okay. <laughs> I'm. I, so now, I hope to uh, at some point get my Blood and Chrome edition. Nice. I want that uh, that black <laughs> and white. <laughs> what, the one why? that always cracked me up was like all the people that were booing Jurassic World, and he's like, "Why are you booing this? This is one of the best films of the year." And then, and then, well, Fury Road's amazing. He's like, "Ah, fuck that movie." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, it's it. That movie's like eighty percent CGI. Right. Holy shit. <laughs> Seriously, the right dinosaur. I, I, I don't. I don't want to see any kind of reboot. Jesus Christ! <laughs> yeah. Are you even fucking listening to yourself? Yeah, he contradicts himself a lot. Wow. That's fine though. Wow. It's okay. It was just because Mel wasn't in it. That was it. That was all. Mm. All right, gentlemen, I gave you a choice. Okay. Do you want to just go into news you don't give a shit about, or do you want to procrastinate a little and do an email? Email. All right. Let's hear from the people. Let's hear from the people. Here we go. People. <laughs> It's a bit of a long one. Asks a question, uh, but uh, I, can I, we I, answer the question? I, lo- question? I love when this guy writes yeah, in. Really. Dear the Funko Peen Show, <laughs> highest salutations, gentlemen. I come before you today with a last-ditch hail mary shot in the dark question of a rather esoteric nature. But I reckon that if any group of non-Mensa members has a chance of providing assistance whoa, here, whoa, whoa. It'll be one of you pillow-wielding miscreants. I did actually take and pass the Mensa test back in (laughs) high school. I just chose not to join. There you go. There. And I could have joined on my SATs alone. And I could have been friends with Mensa guys. (laughs) I don't even know what that is. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of fallen into obscurity now. Not many people know what it is anymore. In in Trump land? I can't imagine. Uh, Hey, hashtag see it. As, as a brief reminder, I'm the guy that decided to introduce his wife to Trek by compiling the by-air date list of episodes and movies and went from front to back. Okay. Actually told the truth, we were mostly stalled where we were before at the midpoint of Deep Space Nine and beginning of Voyager as it came to my attention that my wife had never seen MASH. So we're simultaneously hitting that just started season five. Good Christ. And the new Mystery Science Theater release isn't helping things either. There you go. Not to mention the return of Dark Matter for season three. There's only so many hours in the day. You know. God, I'm just still stuck six, on season two of Dark Matter. Take six months off of work and crank it all out. <laughs> Anyhow, I digress. My reason for writing this. While watching Enterprise, there were a few scenes where the crew were shown interaction, interacting in the mess of the NX-01. During one of those scenes, my wife and I both simultaneously reached for the remote to pause because, randomly, we both had noticed the cutlery they were using. We both had the same idea at the same time. Specifically, holy shit, we need to get that cutlery because it looks awesome. I know, what a weird thing to notice, right? But seriously, go back and look at that cutlery. It's the bomb diggity. Then we go to Next Gen. We find ourselves always looking at the cutlery when there was some scene in 10 Forward. Again, different style, but pretty badass cutlery. And wouldn't you know it, Deep Space Nine and Voyager both also have kick-ass forks and knives in their scenes. I reasoned and assumed that there were uh, recreations and knockoffs of just about everything sci-fi available somewhere. And after a few digging in the intra-Google webs, 
I found about 50 bajillion Trek drinkware products, especially anything you might put coffee or tea in. Uh, lots of clear glass with metal handles, perfect for Earl Grey hot. Uh, a few commemorative plates for decoration here and there as well, but only one mention anywhere of cutlery. And wouldn't you know it, it was the Enterprise Cutlery. Unfortunately, that website was a historical listing of the actual props auctioned <laughs> off by Paramount after the show wrapped, and the cutlery went for 600 bucks. Guys, we need that cutlery. More than Professor, Professor Hathaway needed a 5-megawatt laser and a spinning mirror. Apparently, nobody sells it retail. Phase conjugate tra- tracking system. Short of building a mini forge in my backyard and doing some aluminum smelting and sand relief casting, do you guys have any suggestions about how I might procure said cutlery? I figure if anybody knows the secret backdoor ways to track finding things, it's you lot. Thanks a bunch. Sadly, this is the last time I'll be signing off as The Thomas. I've just begun the arduous process of changing my name legally, and my days as The Thomas are numbered. But until then... The Thomas. What is it with people changing their names? Yeah. Didn't you listen to Gaming Mills' letter? That was that was a disaster. The Thomas. Um, I could ask Mike and Denise Okuda for you when I see them in. Uh... Oh. Look at these, these name wait, drops. Wait, 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 I'm, I'm, waiting for, I'm waiting for the finish of that sentence. When I see them next month. Next month. No, sorry, it's August, isn't it? Beginning of August? August? Yeah, beginning of August. The, At a weekly the, gala the, that I go they, to because I'm Jeff. When the con is, <laughs> is in town. I mean, I guess I could email him beforehand. And it, oh, you him. know, hey. The now, personal contact information? What is this shit? Yeah, they did a lot of the props for Star Trek. Uh, they were both scenic artists, so technically they did a lot of like the signage and the uh, uh, computer panel graphics that you see. You mean seen. the Akutagram? Yes. <laughs> So, but, if, if, but any, if anyone's going to know. But, yeah, I was going to say, but if anybody that I know would know, it would be them. Because they know, like, everything. I also want to throw it out to the shock monkeys on the shock monkeys, Lair. Because maybe they have an in on it. Now, I do remember Star Trek The Experience. There was an issue with silverware there. Yeah, I was going to ask Kirsten <laughs> about that because it was gone long before I started working there. But uh, somebody was telling me that the, the, the steak knives, like, right when they opened... In uh, in '98, looked like batleths. Do you know anything about that? I, I don't remember. I don't remember specifics. I do know they went to conventional cutlery because so much was getting stolen. Yeah. Well, yeah. Most of <laughs> most of the custom spacey looking stuff that we had yeah. throughout my tenure there, we had to replace with rather generic looking yeah. stuff yeah. because. It found its way into people's bags and pockets. Whenever you go to some cool, fun, fan thingy like that, and you get pedestrian cups, glasses, cutlery, before you go cursing their lack of imagination or not even caring about detail, realize that that's probably because they know that that shit is going to walk out the door and they'll be cleaned out in months. Whatever typical formula restaurants will have for loss i don't know a couple orders of magnitude just increase the rate well shoot so. we had salt and pepper shakers that said corks bar and restaurant on them and it was just mechanically painted on uh enamel and those didn't even last a whole year yeah because literally it's like you'd go to do inventory at the end of the night after you clean them off all the tables and it's like yep we're missing four sets oh yeah Next yeah. night, you're missing another two sets. And 
we and the had glassware started walking like the really cool glassware we had when I first started started wa- just disappearing you know so we tried to get spacey cool looking glassware that was inexpensive <laughs> because we knew that it was going to disappear but you know that's that's all you can really do all right so Jeff's gonna get a hold of the Akutas yeah maybe find an answer for you uh, but maybe not because you know that's it's been some, some someone out there has to be making space thirteen age years silverware. since that closed down, right? Oh four, right? Well, the, the the funny thing too is that a lot of that stuff it's not oh space age silverware and we'll just use it for you know DS nine. It's actually just cool ass shit that DS nine adopts and yeah. then it enters the Star Trek mind collective consciousness right. is cool ass spaceware. Yeah, that's hell. A, what are the? That was a bunch of prop people going out to antique shops and yeah. going, "Look at this silverware collection from the 1960s." One of the best stories regarding that: uh, the chairs that you saw on Deep Space Nine in Corks, those were just a kind of cool looking chair that the prop masters or the set designers found at some store. So that when Star Trek The Experience opened, they bought as many of these chairs as they could find, you know, in both barstool and table setting chairs. When that company found out that made them where that was going, they started doubling and tripling and quadrupling the price of those. So at one point, they just stopped making them. And when we were having damaged seats and so forth at, uh, at The Experience... We did find a distributor here in town that still had some of those in stock, but because they knew it was for us, they were trying to charge like $250 per chair. When I think when they opened, they were only paying like $30, $35 a chair. Yikes. So, yeah. Well, that explains why we eventually ended up with the, the uh, silver ones, the, the tube and coffee screen uh, yeah. chair, <laughs> welded um, to, spot welded things that we ended up with. Yeah, those were engineering, went out and found something that looked kind of spacey and <laughs> wouldn't break the, the budget. And there you go. And actually kind of comfort. They're, they're yeah. for, for metal chairs, they're actually Yeah, not they're not bad. bad. So, the Thomas, I hope that helps a little bit or will help in the future. I'll see what I can do for you, the Thomas. Awesome. But only if you don't change your name. Boom. We did oh, it. Well, oh, well. The gauntlet has been dropped. Oof. Well, choices. You got choices. Yeah, the tyranny of geekdom. Yep. You know, can only put it off so long, guys. News you don't give a shit about. Yay. All right. It's fine. Andy's the only one that hates it. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one, Kirsten. After four months of production, Philip Lord and Chris Miller, the directors behind the Jump Street films and the Lego movie, will no longer be directing the untitled Han Solo Star Wars spinoff. The two were named the directors of the spinoff back in July 2015. The news was posted on the official Star Wars website. It appears the creative differences caused the directors and Lucasfilm to go their separate ways. Uh Uh-oh. From Lucasfilm head Kathleen Kennedy, quote, Phil Lord and Christopher Miller are talented filmmakers who have assembled an incredible cast and crew, but it's become clear that we had different creative visions on this film, and we've decided to part ways. A new director will be announced soon, unquote. Lord and Miller also released a statement saying, Unfortunately, our vision and process weren't aligned with our partners on this project. We normally aren't fans of the phrase creative differences, but for once this cliche is true. We are really proud of the amazing and world-class work of our cast and crew, unquote. The production is still yet to be titled, 
uh, it's so we're just calling the Han Solo standalone flick. It started uh, production back in January of this year. Uh, with three more weeks of production remaining on the schedule currently. Production? Uh, you mean filming, or have they did they start filming? I'm uh, not. Maybe principal photography is yeah. done. So. Yeah. Uh, I'm, well, continue on here. Yeah. Uh, the Hollywood Reporter says there will be additional reshoots okay. Okay. taking place over the summer, which begs the question, what could have gone wrong during the course of that time for the split to happen? Uh, it's It's only... I mean, it's one thing for a director to leave a project before yeah. it starts. Uh, Edgar Wright left Ant-Man. Uh, Michelle McLaurin walked away from Wonder Woman. Uh, Tim Miller said he wouldn't return to direct Deadpool 2. But for two directors to leave production with three weeks of shooting left in on the schedule, no less, it's not a good sign. That's that's some straight up... Uh, fuck you, you know, Star fuck Trek, you, fuck you. Excuse me, uh, Superman 2 action right there. Yeah. I'll bet it's you like, anything... After the success of Rogue One, they want the Han Solo standalone prequel to end with uh, Donald Glover and Aldrin, whatever his name is, hugging as a explosion just vaporizes it. <laughs> <laughs> and and the director's props to them were like, uh, no, no, we're not doing that. Well, I mean, we you want know. To, we want to keep the Tie Fighter coming up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So we've got episode eight, The Last Jedi, in December yep. of this year. And I think that one was originally supposed to be summer of next year. I think so. So they're probably going to do what they did with Rogue One and push it back to December. Just makes December Star Wars month. I know. I'm just what saying. Like, it, it, it makes sense that we're going to have every December for the foreseeable future a new Star Wars movie. What a movie. great Christmas tradition. Yeah. Watch a Star Wars movie. And Why do you want the summer? It's a time when a lot of people go to movies. And they're they're breaking their records. It's not even like there's a visible, oh, you know what? If this was in the summer, it would have gone so much better. Yeah. You're, you're doing fine. Just make it just. Uh. Well, I in in Rogue One's case, pushing, I'm moving it to Canada. Back, pushing it back and doing the reshoots <laughs> actually helped it. Yeah. Because apparently... Yeah. You know, because apparently the original, you know, uh, they were supposed to survive at the end, and Jin and uh, and what's his name are moving on into the rebellion. But you know, it's a good choice. Where they I went think, was yeah, a good I choice. think wrapping up those characters' story, you know, right then and there with that standalone film, while playing into the original trilogy, I think that you know was a good choice. So I don't know, maybe that's what they're trying to do too, and. We'll probably never Who know. Who knows? Yeah. Well, those guys survive, and they go for... Well, you know, who knows? When we watch it, we'll probably there'll probably be a moment when we're like, hmm, I bet you they were going to go there, but they went there, and, you know. I think there's going to be a lot of that. Yeah. yeah. Probably probably a few leaks also might tell us post what? whatever they were going to do. What? Torgo, <laughs> what are you talking about? They're going to find the leakers. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Prosecute him. Sad. Very bad. <laughs> Look at that. Greedo shot first. <laughs> you shut your whore mouth. <laughs> that there is blasphemy. News you don't give a shit about. CBS TV. Guido. Has at last. At last unveiled the premiere date for the long-delayed new series Star Trek Discovery. The that first. going to be a hot mess. All new Trek TV show since Enterprise. But as with everything seemingly associated with this new show, it's a little complicated. 
Deadline reports that Discovery will premiere on the CBS Broadcast Network on Sunday, September 24th from 8.30 to 9.30 p.m. Both the first and second episodes will also be available on the CBS All Access streaming platform the same night, right after the premiere broadcast. With new segments, uh, the new segments will begin rolling out the following Sunday and every subsequent Sunday, but only on All Access. With the show recently expanded from 13 episodes to 15, now the season has also been split into two parts. Oh, now this is something I didn't know. Two-part 15 season? Uh-huh. The first half will end with episode 8 on November 5th. Then the second half will pick up with a mid-season premiere sometime in January 2018. While that loosely follows the window for a typical winter holiday break, it's also a bit right. longer than usual. It is apparently intended to allow the show more time for post-production work on the back seven episodes. Uh, a change in showrunners... Delays in casting and production and a constantly shifting premiere date. It was first supposed to arrive last January. It's all contributed to the controversy surrounding this show, along with the decision to keep it mostly away from its own flagship network. So, yes, not only do you get to subscribe to a new streaming service. Nope. You get to get it one episode a week, but then it stops halfway to wait a few more months to start again. Yep. Stop it. Just yeah. God damn stop it. Listen, I was I was um, kind of surprised by that that structure as well. I mean, when they when they originally announced it, they said they were going to do a weekly series on CBS All Access, and I'm sitting there going, "But have you learned nothing from how Netflix does it where they drop all of it?" Yeah. Because I I was overhearing a, a discussion at work the other day about he's like, "I can't wait weeks anymore i love how netflix does it so i can just watch all the episodes yeah. at once i can't sit around waiting for the summer to be over for this thing to start up and they were talking about game of thrones specifically because you know we have that shortened season this year and then the the final season is in 2018 and he's just like i don't it's like why can't they just be like netflix and just put them all up there so i can just watch them all when I want to. And I'm like, well, that's kind of where a lot of these places are going. But then CBS decides they're going to do it like the traditional. And, and I think that is a big problem that a lot of the studios have is they keep trying to approach this streaming service thing as traditional television. And it is not. And they don't talk to the right people to get the information that this is a service that needs to be available you know, on demand whenever the the public wants it, not when they want to put it out. Yeah, there's there's so. two parts of it to me. For Netflix, you know, it's they put out a whole bunch of feelers of things multiple people in niche categories might be interested in. Right. Come for the Marvel stuff, but stay for House of Cards. Look at the other things you're going to have while you're yeah. here. Mm -hmm. You know, CBS All Access, great. What do you have to offer besides Star Trek? Uh, they they actually apparently did fairly well with the Good Wife spinoff that was on there. Is that only on Access? Yeah it's, yeah, it's only on All Access. I think it was called The Good Fight or something like that. Um, Paul said his wife watched it. So okay, I, so come come for Star Trek and stay for. So the good I don't fight. I don't know what else they have in All Access coming up. I know they have plans to start launching more 
series only on If they were All smart, Access. they would attach it to its marketing. Not only yeah. do we have Star Trek, but we have X, Y, Z, and Double Z coming. I think right. it, it, it's sort of like what uh, we saw with the, the end days of Star Trek The Experience. There's a lot of, there seems to be a lot of taking for granted the Star <laughs> yeah. Trek o- audience. Yeah. And it's like, oh, all, they'll eat anything. They'll do whatever we All say. Access will bring them in. And the truth is, is uh, I will watch those two episodes on TV. But once no, it goes, once you watch the first episode, the on first TV. episode on TV. But the second one, one's free, but only on all access. Okay. Listen, come sail with me on the pirate seas on the HMCS. Mat. Yeah, but once, uh, <laughs> okay. once, once it goes all access, I'm not going to. I'm not going to. I can't. I can't right now in my life. I definitely can't yeah. pay for it. Well, if it was bingeable, yes. If it was bingeable, I would wait until March of next year, and I would contemplate throwing down for all access. Well, here's the thing: to binge it. Here's the thing, but Kirsten. it will not happen the way it's going now. And this is my plan for it. And I've talked to several other Trek fans that kind of have this same plan as well. Some of the more hardcore ones are going to plan on doing the multi. See, there are hardcore ones. I saw, hardcore. I said there were car, car people. Hardcore ones. Uh, some of the more hardcore okay. fans are going to sign up all right. for all access <laughs> and watch it week to week. Now, many like myself. Because what they're going to do is, after they've released each week, all of those episodes are now available on All Access. So if you wait until either all the episodes are out, you sign up for one month of All Access because there's no minimum subscription requirement. You get one month of service, you binge watch it, and you cancel it. And you share your password with everybody. Well, I'm not saying do that. (laughs) But my plan is to... and I. Now that they're splitting up the season, I'll probably just do two months. They'll do the the first half and then cancel I, it. I and say then why it back why up tease yourself with it? Just wait till it's all done. Yeah, that's why buy and binge. Then we'll have to wait for the next half. Because I think it's five ninety nine a month. It's sure. only it's only six bucks. I can you know I can drop twelve dollars and do two separate you know sittings. But you know fifteen episodes. You're talking seven weeks. So that's you'd have to sign up for two months, then wait, and then do like another seven weeks <laughs> in a row. Exactly so it's they're like, trying to they're they think they're gonna get everybody to sign up for four months straight at yes. least. Then they're gonna be chomping it. at the bit to get the next episode. And I don't think they realize that a lot of people are going to do what I am gonna do is wait for the first half to be all out, sign up, binge watch it, and cancel it. So But anyway. st- you stick around for the good fight. I never liked The Good Wife, so why would I watch The Good Fight? <laughs> no, you don't give a shit about the recalled pop vinyl toy. Whoa, mics are down. <laughs> of Tom, Panic! Of Tom Cruise's Nick Morton in The Mummy. Has, he called? Has become one of the hottest collectibles on the market. Oh, of course it has. <laughs> It was first announced back in April that Funko was canceling the production of its Tom Cruise toy due to licensing issues and Cruise's reluctance to sign off on his image. Uh, this was what image? <laughs> this it's a Funko. <laughs> what the hell did he do? What did he look at and go? Oh no! It's no the, way! It's, it's the haircut. Oh Jesus! <laughs> none of none of the figures look exactly what like image? the people they're supposed to be. I mean, they all look like. Very oh. basic 
ca- well, cartoon drawings of the... Well, this is in the right category, that's for fucking sure. <laughs> this was one of three pop releases from The Mummy, along with Sophia Boudelea's uh, Amanet, portrayed as both the Egyptian princess and The Mummy, so that came out. Apparently, a few of these prized cruise products were accidentally shipped and leaked into the retail market prematurely now that the movie has been released. Uh, these unlikely gems have been spotted at online auction site eBay and are commanding ridiculous prices in heated bidding wars. I gotta see this for myself. Uh, I, I went I went on a few of them myself. A word of the scarcity and the reclusive Nick Morton novelty has driven bids into the hundreds of dollars. Idiots, the, all of you. The auction I saw ended at $520. Wow. And, well, there, and there's another sitting at a buy-it-now price of 550 Okay. What's his name? Nick what? Morton. Okay. Okay. As this, in Steakhouse. Now, this this is not one of those, you got to admit, this is not one of those artificial collectible things where it's collectible because we say it is. Right. This is this, an actual... Yeah, this is going to be limited. This, this is, is one of those... This is limited, accidental. So... There isn't a collectible angle to it. Wow. I, I would not shell out hundreds of dollars for it, but this is actually collectible. This yes. is honest to God collectible. And when the Funko thing is over, that is one that will actually retain its value. Right. Because of its ridiculous. How dare range. you? It's going to go on forever. Oh. <laughs> so. Yeah, I just, I just quietly let that pass. I wasn't, I'm not <laughs> rising to the bait. <laughs> I found four auctions going on right now. Uh huh. The least expensive one with four bids is at $220. Jump on it. This is your time. This is your um, time. There you go. The next one is at 400 but I think that's the buy it now price. Yeah, it's buy it now price. And, and I'll just say that right now. Elizabeth White, no, don't worry about <laughs> it. Yeah. He doesn't want I, it. I, I appreciate the thought, but don't. <laughs> Weekend Geek. Weekend Geek. Oh, it's so quiet. I miss Andy's enthusiasm. Yay! <laughs> Thank you. Oh, his his DC optimism. <laughs> yes. He, yes, he is our Wonder Woman. <laughs> yep, not gonna argue with that. Wonder Woman. I want I want Wonder now footage Woman. of Andy with the the Wonder Woman theme, the the new one. You want footage of Andy spinning and then no. suddenly yes. He, yes. He, yes. he pops yes. in the, no. the the costume. No, <laughs> while I, the I theme want him runs. walking down the the street illegally down the strip. <laughs> with a na 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 na, you're just playing in the background so excitedly. <laughs> you, you can have your Andy spinning. God knows what it'll morph into. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You've known him longer than we have. Andy with you, a tube top. You'd and have a, a better bet than we would. Clay I, face. It just it just turns into a cum pony jar. Could you you could couldn't you see Andy just his face pressed up against the glass with the we shampoo get, oozing across his face? We did get rid of that, right? Because oh, was, he took it. It was looking yeah. pretty rank. He took yeah. it. He it, actually brought it to Paul at a at the last uh, bucket show thing, and uh, Paul, in a rare display of good taste, was like, "No, no, 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 thanks." And so. <laughs> Well, that's why he made him made him leave it here in the first place, is yeah. he didn't want to take it with him. So. so, and it was boy, was it getting skanky? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the freaking the 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 dye and like the the hair that's on the tail and the mane were bleeding into the shampoo. Yeah, and which is a lesson to you girls: wash yourselves <laughs> when uh, you know your your significant other is done. Put shampoo on. Yeah, yeah. get that quick. 
before you know the dye starts running out of <laughs> your hair or your skin starts i don't know what were you talking about it was proving that shampoo is bad for everyone oh Absolutely. okay <laughs> the dark tower film isn't a direct adaptation of any of the books in stephen king's series that was a shocker there are several different elements from various books that we've seen in the trailers. A lot of fans have been thinking that this is just going to be a very different and condensed retelling of the epic series to make it work for the film. Turns out the story they plan on telling through the course of the movie trilogy and TV series all takes place after the book series ends. These upcoming films will serve as a sequel. The confirmation comes from director Nick Arcel who told IGN, quote, it is, in fact, a continuation. It is a canon continuation. And that's exactly what we intended and what Stephen King has signed off on, unquote. Oh, okay. The film series has been uh, structured in a way that it will stand on its own, and you won't have to know everything about the books. Uh, the Dark Towers open, Tower opens on, in theaters on August 4th. Uh, warning to people who have not read the book series and want to pursue this... A line of news, a lot of what I saw and successfully avoided were a lot of spoilers ab about the last book in the series explaining why this is a continuation. So if you are, like myself, planning on reading the entire Dark Tower series and haven't done so uh, before seeing this movie, stay away from this news. All right, What I'm telling you is all you need to know uh, because it will spoil you for the last book. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so now knowing that, that this is a in-canon continuation of the Dark Tower novels, I'm just going to have to wait to see this movie later on. I was going to say, when I first saw that headline, I was like, oh, Torgo. So sweet. Because you're only on the third of the four, right? Oh, let me tell you about what's going on now. Dude, you, yeah, he's off on his digressions and shit. Yeah, um... I threw it out to the lair because uh, Matt, uh, Matt Spaulding uh, from Two Broke Geeks mm -hmm. uh, contacted me and said, hey, um, before you continue on to the next book, you might want to read Hearts in Atlantis so you can learn about the low men. And I read Hearts in Atlantis when it came out, and it was probably the only thing about the Dark Tower I had read prior to it. kind of got me interested back in the 90s. And so it got me thinking... Because when you look at the Dark Tower books, and it has that list of uh, bibliography of, of all of Stephen King's novels up front. Here's the other novels of King's work. He now has in bold all of his novels that are tied in some way to the Dark Tower. And there's lots of them. And so I threw it out to the Shock Monkey's Lair, to other readers of the Dark Tower series. What other novels would you suggest I read before continuing to the final two novels of the Dark Tower series? Because I'm on book six. Because I'm really glad I read Salem's Lot, because Wolves of the Kala is a sequel to that book. The character, one of the characters that survives from that book, you learn everything that happens between Salem's Lot and how he gets to Midworld in the Dark Tower world. And it's a whole thing that happens in New York. It's, at one point, Stephen King was planning on writing a Salem's Lot sequel, and he's decided to instead incorporate that into Dark Tower. So I'm like, this is super important. What's next? And bless the monkeys. They threw out all sorts of books of what I should read, what I shouldn't read. Oh, yeah. And, and it was really appreciated. 
uh, Frogio Soft Serve, I know he goes by that name on the scoops, uh, put up a uh, an article that is exactly that. Books you should read if you're going to do The Dark Tower and in what order. And blessings upon his house for yeah. putting that up. Yeah, that was good stuff. There's a lot. There's an awful lot of books. So I continued reading Wolves of the Kala. Then it started talking about in this sequel set of Salem's Lot, started talking about the regulators, a.k.a. the low men, which means I have now stopped at 40% through the book, and I've now started to read the regulators. I'm about 40% through it. And after that, I'll be reading Hearts in Atlantis once again because it's been ages since I've read that. <laughs> so I've had to stop this novel to read two other novels. And I've already stopped this novel to read another novel in the middle of it. And not only that, I have to read The Talisman and The Dark House, which is this Talisman sequel. Um, I should read Eyes of the Dragon just to get uh, the Randall Flagg background. I will not be ready for a Dark Tower movie sequel in the beginning of August. There's just no... I read fast, but that's... Stephen King's a thick writer. I'm not getting through all this in time. Jeez. You should do what I do, just Wikipedia. Can't. That's how I finished uh, Wheel it. of Time. I was just like, oh, you know what? The hell with this. I can't take another hairbrush spanking scene. And I just went to Wikipedia and, and rubbed it right out. The, the reader in me would, uh, can't... Would, wouldn't accept that. Would ex- think of that as cheating. I, I just... It won't allow me to do it. Cheating is an honored tradition in the world. <laughs> you know, you gotta, you gotta. I want you to think about it as as gaming the system. All right, this is this is your your figuring out the uh, uh, video game. You you you. Uh, uh, why am I even trying? I, I only do a walkthrough <laughs> if I'm absolutely sure stuck. Yeah, yeah. With that. And I, Anyway, I was like, maybe and, he's getting to something. And I, have to, I have to throw super kudos out to Jeff Harris, uh, Shock Monkey, who also is going to start taking the, the journey to the tower. But he hasn't read much Stephen King at all. And at, at least, you know, I have, you know, I've read The Stand and I've read some of the books that I, I don't have to go back and reread them since I've read them soon enough. So he has an even larger undertaking ahead of him, but he's he's going to soldier forward. So good on you, Jess. Good on you, Jeff. You're, good, you're doing it. Well, shit. He and if he has Jess, a... Jess is going to make you lots of cookies <laughs> to, to help you get through it. Amen. I mean, he, he's encountering King for the first time, and with the majority of those books, he's on one hell of a fucking well, great journey. The, the first book you should read in the whole Dark Tower series, The Stand, uh, and that's a massive tome. That's a uh, what thirteen hundred pages in that book. So and you you read the uncut version, people. Don't don't read that initial yeah. version. Mm. That uncut is a hefty tome, but it's fun. So it's it's yeah, it's definitely worth the journey. If you've not read the stand, uh, one person out there suggested, you know what, just watch the miniseries, and that way you got a shortcut and you got the story and the basic idea. And well, the problem with that is that the character that's really important to the stand and the dark tower is Randall flag. Yeah. And you lose a lot of that in the translation of that miniseries. So yeah, the miniseries has an interesting Randall flag. It does. I did like that performance. Yes, but it cuts so much yeah. out and for such an important character for the dark tower. Yeah. Especially, especially uh, when book four and the stand come together really strong in the dark tower. 
But I, you, I just know that when Stephen King, when he finished book four, he got in his accident. And then later on, he's like, I need to finish the Tower series. And it was in that time that he realized all the connections. And so starting on goddamn book five, it was just like, here's all, here's, here's him just pulling all these other novel bits into That's this great. story, which is fantastic, but makes for a huge journey if, you want to, if you're a completionist like myself. So... So that's where I am here forever in the Dark Tower. And you know, I, should, <laughs> I should also bring up that uh, we've also started nominations on the book club for July's book. So feel free to throw up a nomination. In the, we have 76 people in the book club. Yeah, I those, thought you were going to say go feel free to throw up. I mean, not, like, not, not everybody is active, but they oh, come man. in and out. And we have readers on every single book, and it's awesome to see. So, so keep reading and keep throwing the nominations out. We got some good ones already, but uh, always ready for more. We'll probably throw up a poll here in a couple of days. So, so yeah, business. Simon Says. This is sad. Sad personally to me. Simon Says has passed away after an extended battle of cancer. Says is the designer of the Lament Configuration box from the Hellraiser franchise. The box that brings Pinhead the Cenobites out of hell and into our reality. In addition to designing the puzzle box, Sace also created David Cronenberg's mask for Nightbreed, as well as the character Peliquin from that same film. He worked on special effects teams for other horror films as well in the late 80s, early 90s, including The Unholy, The Lair of the White Worm, and I Bought a Vampire Motorcycle, which I've never seen that movie ever, or that title. But he worked on it. Wow. But yeah, the man who designed the Lament configuration box one of my personal favorite horror props has left. So, good on you, man. Well, since you're already on death, do you have the other one that happened over the last over the weekend? I don't. Uh, Stephen First, who played uh, Flounder in uh, Animal House, I, I think it was, uh, yeah. as and well as Veer on Babylon Five. There you go. No, yeah, there's another there. one. The Babylon uh, Five. Curse. Yeah, passed away three days ago. I think it was at sixty-three. The, the Babylon 5 curse? Yeah, apparently yes. they, they die. Yeah, there's... <laughs> it, well, yeah, Straczynski put out a tweet, like, no, when it happened, and he's like... like ha- more than half the cast He's like, more dead, than half of the, like, you know, the original cast is just gone. And it's not like old age, it's... Yeah, Stephen First, uh, of course, I, I mentioned, played Veer on Babylon 5. Uh, yeah, Flounder was his character in Animal House. I, I, I hadn't seen it so long, I was trying to remember, but... Jerry Doyle played Garibaldi. He's yeah. dead. He used to live here in Vegas. Uh-huh. I don't know if you know that. But yeah. Yep. He had a radio show, too, here. Yeah, I, I met him at Con like, years and years ago, uh, ironically, over at... It uh, was actually out by the pool at uh, Lexus Park Resort over off of Paradise. I was just, you know, walking around out there and Checking out ran parking. into him. And he chatted me up for, like, five minutes you know, and I didn't even know who he was. Some dude walked I mean, up to me, well, started I mean, chatting me I up. I knew who he was, but he was chatting me up because I guess he realized hey I was there. a local. And, hey uh, you know, hey, and I'm just Jeff. sitting, I'm like, you don't know who I am. But, uh, but no, he was, t- he was totally cool. So, but, uh, but yeah. I want to know more about this Babylon 5 curse. What, what cosmic gypsy created this thing? Okay. First to die was um, Katsulis. Andreas Katsulis. Yeah. Uh-huh. He also played um, Tomalak. Uh, yeah, Tomalock was one of the characters on yeah. Next Gen. Yep, I'm going to regret this question. Right? He was the one-armed man in the. Uh, you didn't see uh, me ask. I just made fun of it. <laughs> in the in the. Uh, uh, I don't want to know about fugitive. the deaths. I want to know about the curse. Thank you. 
I want to know. Oh, it's just okay among the. Cast what about members, that? What is that? What about that show is so special that it gets a curse? Well, that's just what they're saying because so much of the cast has passed away. It's one of those shows. You know, that's like, like saying Poltergeist. Their time. That's like saying Poltergeist is cursed because because three cast members died over the course of three films. Oh, dude, let's talk about well, the but bananas it's been more curse. Than three they're all here. dead. Oh shit! See now that's a yeah, curse. Yeah, wow. My God, holy shit! So it's, it's almost as bad as the Have Gun Will Travel curse. Whatever. Holy crap! Fuck sake. <laughs> yeah, because there's a huge list of them right here. So this is why it's because why calling. would a show that there is go, 25 ladies. years old have dead people now? I don't know. Just it's I'm I'm mystified. <laughs> uh, okay, so you had Jerry Doyle died last year. He was in his 60s. Robin Sachs in 2013. Uh, Turin Bay in curse. 2012, the, Michael O'Hare in 2012, Jeff Conaway, Jeff Conaway in 2011, uh, Johnny Seca in 2006, Andreas Katsoulis in 2006, Laurel and Hardy curse that was 100%. Tim Choate in 2004, Richard Biggs in 2004, and Biggs Paul, and what? Paul Winfield. In I know he had high blood pressure, but my man, wow, well, Richard Biggs, you Richard laugh, Biggs, you laugh on that, but he actually died of a uh, heart attack. Yeah, he played the doctor on Babylon Five. You, you know what other show had an even worse curse? Our Gang. Uh, the Our yep. Gang got kids. It's a Little Rascals. Oh, they they all went bad. Continue with the show. <laughs> <laughs> you have completely Dragnet. demoralized. Dragnet. It was just, you know. Oh, jeez. Boy, the, the mystical personage they pissed off show. with Dragnet. Mm. Just. I thought you were serious, but you're like, just. <laughs> Just, it's just, just a bit for you. It's just, the, it's, it's, it's just, the, it's, it's a bit for you. <laughs> no, it's something close to my heart. And fuck it's you. Ju- it's just, it's just the, you. it's the opposite of the Brady Bunch curse because those fuckers won't die. Yeah, there you go. You want to talk curse? There's the curse. <laughs> Futurama. They don't. Their heads aren't even in no, a jar. No, the kids won't die. Florence Henderson and um, oh crap. Uh, Richard, uh, the, the mother Reed. and the oh, father. You know uh, what? This is it. The yeah. Pandora's box has been oh, opened. That's Jeff it. Jeff started talking. Yeah. Watch in the next few months. Yep. <laughs> the k- kids are going to start. Isn't Michael, Andy? Michael, look and Lind. I'm sorry, Michael, look and Lind. We we. Because Alice nice died him. a long time ago, and then you had um, uh, Robert Reed <laughs> back in the uh, late eighties. You mean you mean all the older people yeah. in the show? Wow, I don't. What what is going on here? I'm not understanding the world anymore. Writer Damon Lindelof, best known for his work on Lost, Prometheus, and Star Trek Into Darkness, big favorites, is in talks to develop a Watchmen series at HBO. Huh. This project reportedly has no connection to a previous attempt by the premium cable channel to develop the comic or to the 2009 Zack Snyder-directed film. The outlet has no further details on the project, uh, which, if bought, bought, brought to light, would continue uh, Lindelof's relationship with the channel after wrapping up the leftovers, which he was involved with. So, there is a potential for Watchmen. A lot, there's some outlets saying it's done, it's not a done deal, so it's in talks. So, HBO Watchmen, I'll be glad for it. Lindelof, I don't know. I've got issues with the guy a little bit. Yeah, writing, I was going to say, a bunch wise. of people that used to watch The Leftovers were apparently very disappointed with the series finale. On a Lindelof show? I can't I know, imagine. right? <laughs> dun, dun, dun. So, yeah, we'll see. I, if it's done well. <laughs> I I'm, I'm, I enjoyed the movie. Me, too. I like the movie, so I'm not... I did, too. 
I mean, I'm sure there's a lot more you, I mean, there was a lot more to the comic series to do. Well, sure. Are I they mean, are they going to fold in the prequel stuff that uh, got more so angry that no. they did? Or I mean, the, I don't know. I, I, yeah, the movie was about as direct an adaptation as yeah. you can get. I and mean, I really it, enjoyed it. With, except, with, except for changing the ending. Yeah. yeah. So there is that. Yeah. And, and I mean, you know, yeah, there were, you know, significant parts cut out, but mm-hmm. I mean... And a significant how much, ending changed. How, how much can you squeeze into three hours? I don't know. I, I don't know how I feel about it because I'm, I'm like, I think they did what they did. So I, I, I think it was good what they did. So let me ask this question because, I mean, I don't know what this show is going to be. Red light. What if it was animated? Hmm. You know what animated I would like? Hmm. If they did an animated show that followed Gibbon's art style i think that would be very Ooh, okay cool. you're about to give me chills on that one yeah if they <laughs> if they followed the style of the comic i would actually i just might very i just might very well be interested now they did release a dvd of the motion right. comic the motion right comic, which yeah. which is quite the same thing it's semi-animated yeah it was it was okay now if you saw kong skull island I did. Earlier this year. Great yeah. movie. Did not. Great movie. Then you know that a post credit scene at the end of the movie teased not just the return of Godzilla, but also the arrival of some of his classic foes slash allies yeah. from the glory days of the original Toho film series. <laughs> Filming on the second Godzilla film has just gotten underway, and Warner Brothers Pictures has released the, ofi- released the official synopsis. Here it is. A new story follows the heroic efforts of the cryptozoological agency Monarch, as its members face off against a battery of god-sized monsters, including the mighty Godzilla, who collides with Mothra, Rodan, and his ultimate nemesis, the three-headed King Ghidorah, which, when these ancient super-species, thought to be mere myths, rise again, they all vie for supremacy, leaving humanity's very existence hanging in the balance, unquote. The monarch agency for both Godzilla and Kong Skull Island is on board as well to tie this all together, and set the stage for Godzilla vs. Kong in a few years from now. The new Godzilla movie is being directed by Michael Doherty, who directed Krampus, from a script he wrote with Zack Shields, and the movie is set to arrive March 2019. I still haven't seen Kong Island, and I'm sad I missed it. It's one I did want to see. You can go see it at Tropicana Theater. Uh, it's it's going to hit DVD here real soon. Hmm. So, so I'll just wait. I don't have to see it in the theater, I guess. But uh, I do look forward to seeing it. And I want to see that bumper. I want to see that, that uh, post-credit scene. Yeah. Just just reading that gets me tingly. I missed it. I didn't even know there was a post-credit scene. Uh, you mm. just need to assume yeah. from here on now, out for the rest movie, of your life. Every movie. Yeah. Even the DC movies that never have one, sit down. Just stretch, relax. Enjoy the music. Why do you got to leave with all the other people? You're, it's cool. Wait for the music credits to see who sung yeah. the songs. See, Wait. see who, th- who, which creators get thanked at the end. Those ushers stare at you as they stand next to their trash can, just waiting you're to like, take just, your glass. Like, I can't. I you know can't, what? Uh, I'm not allowed to Matt, do anything. There's a website called MediaStinger.com that lists all the movements, bleh, current movies that have stingers. No, that'd be that's cheating. Your, don't don't, list, don't listen to them. That's cheating. So. Sit That's down. That's right. You read every uh, you book like of Stephen you King's know Dark Tower. <laughs> All of those people that worked so hard to make that movie for you deserve the five minutes oh, of your time to shit. watch their credits. Oh, shit. <laughs> <What is this? laughs> Holy shit. 
just feel a little put upon. I today. support more movies than any of you here. <laughs> You talking Ooh. about? I go to tons That's of arg. So don't do you? Don't you support tons. the matey? Don't you? As you cruise the high seas of the internet, <laughs> don't give me your support movie bullshit. <laughs> you and your HMS Matt over there. Jesus. CS. HMCS. <laughs> yes. HMC. Is it Her Majesty's Canadian ship? Yes. Really? Yes. That's how it goes. Yes. <laughs> I didn't make. It's like I did. I. I yes. thought it was Master of Ceremony shithead. I wasn't sure what you were saying. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Jeff has it right. Jeff has it right. Okay. His or her, whichever it is at the time. Yeah. Oh. Right. Well, it's been her for just nigh on forever. five decades. <laughs> forever and a day. Talk about vampires that live forever. There you go. Sorry, we are Majesty. Not amused. <laughs> <laughs> Don't kill us. Don't kill us, please. <laughs> Simon Kinberg will make his directorial debut with X-Men, Dark Phoenix. And Fox has set a release date of November 2nd, 2018. Sophie Turner is back as the titular character of Jean Grey. Jennifer Lawrence, Michael Fassbender, and James McAvoy are confirmed to return. As far as new additions, Jessica Chastain is reportedly in talks to play the film's villain, the Shi'ar alien empress Lilandra, who is out to eradicate the Phoenix Force. While this is technically Kinberg's first time directing, he's been a big part of the X-Men universe from a production standpoint for years. The big question is how he'll juggle his multiple duties as a director of this, a producer for Dark Phoenix, producer for Deadpool 2, and the several X-Men television products and multiple Star Wars projects in the works. My God. The Dark Phoenix storyline, one of the most iconic arts from uh, X-Men comic lore, and was already attempted on the big screen with X-Men Last Stand. Sort of. Kind of. So the pressure is certainly on to get it right the second go-around. Just watch a 90s X-Men show. There you go. Did they do Dark Phoenix on the 90s? Nice. Is that on Netflix? No. Uh Uh-uh. Okay. I've never seen the 90s one. Oh, you're missing out. Uh, Apparently. I wouldn't mind seeing it. It's the one everybody talks about when they talk about X-Men animated or X-Men TV. But then again, I, I the Batman animated series, I haven't watched much of that either. So oh. That's a good one, too. The only thing I think the only thing I've seen of it is Mask of the Phantasm. Are you shit? Really? Me? Yeah. That was just because it was in the theaters, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. It was good. Jesus, dude. I, I, you're missing you're, on some iconic the, stuff there. Yeah, my 90s superhero one, animation, right? which I know is like way up here in quality, I've missed it all. I was yeah. in college and just learning stuff. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. You should uh, you should watch animated series before Luke Cage. <laughs> <laughs> I did that salute that for Andy. Andy, I'm thinking of you. I just yeah, that was your big middle finger to Andy right there. No middle no. finger to Andy. It no. was Andy's middle finger to Torgo. Yeah, that's, that's saying that, let's put the middle finger where it belongs. <laughs> so Whoa! Wow! 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 <laughs> so Juggernaut's in that story, so hopefully they do it correctly. Why are you holding up your little fingers, the middle one? Juggernaut's oh. in that story. <laughs> Juggernaut's in that story. <laughs> it's a shocker. Middle yeah, finger. Okay. The shocker? Canadian shocker. <laughs> Canadian shocker? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. The, the pinky and the pink and nothing else? That's right. That's right. <laughs> pinky and the pink. Pinky and the pink. Yeah, right. Look how I'm holding up. Just my pinky. Well, I'm just thinking the Pinky and the Brain song, and it's just not working for me. The Pinky and the, the pink. pink. The Pinky and the Pink. Dracula is getting the Sherlock treatment, 
with Mark Gaddis and Stephen Moffat, the writers and producers of the hit BBC detective series, reuniting for a new take on the Bram Stoker vampire classic. Dracula will adapt the same format as Sherlock with a miniseries run of feature-length episodes. Sherlock propelled Benedict Cumberbatch into international stardom for his portrayal of Holmes. With scripts not yet written, casting for Dracula some way off, Dracula will be the first collaboration between Moffat and Gaddis since the last Sherlock episode aired in Britain in January. They have said there are no current plans for a new series of Sherlock, but have not ruled out returning to write more episodes in the future. Uh, Moffat wrote and executive produced six seasons of BBC's Doctor Who before stepping down from the sci-fi series, and Gaddis is an actor as well as screenwriter starring in Game of Thrones and numerous British series, including Sherlock itself, in which he played Mycroft Holmes, his brother. Uh, he has spoken in the past of his love of classic horror films, particularly the 1958 version of Dracula starring Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing. Hmm. So I don't know what direction it'll take, but yeah. hey, man, if, they, if they're... Using Sherlock as the template, sure, why not? How is how is uh, Sherlock? Because that's a the one the Cumberbatch one is the modern, isn't it? Yes, or that's that's it's not it. Because I'm not really tuned into Dracula as uh, a contemporary. Piece. Sure, I would prefer a period. But if people, you know, I've heard not people, an exclamation mark. <laughs> Uh, wow! Uh, another no, salute for Andy. <laughs> um, wow! But anyway, uh, <laughs> just 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 relax under the pillow, Kristen. <laughs> but I mean, I've heard enough people speak highly of Sherlock. Uh, of a lot of people, that's their first uh, fan crush on Cumberbatch. Yeah. So I don't it, know. I've only seen a couple episodes, but I really enjoyed what I saw. Yeah, yeah so. me too. Uh, this is some uh, interesting development in comic book slash film. A few years ago, Boom Studios, the comic book studio. Boom. Uh, You're si- a werewolf. Signed a first look deal with 20th Century Fox and Fox Television, meaning the studios would get first rights to any comics they published for adaptations. And in 2014... What a mistake. They followed that deal with a move to the Fox studio lot, further cementing the deal. Now... 20th Century Fox has invested even bigger in Boom Studios with a, quote, significant minority stake in the company, unquote. The investment, said to be in the low eight figures, that's uh, tens of millions of dollars, means that Fox has a seat directly at Boom's table, and their working relationship is that much stronger. Boom will continue to publish comic books and graphic novels that include licensed properties like uh, uh, Power Rangers and the WWE, as well as creator-owned series across multiple imprints like All Ages Kaboom and uh, Archaea. Currently, Fox and Boom already have several projects in place. Uh, The horror comic Tag from Keith Giffen and Cody Chamberlain uh, has director John Leonetti attached and is being scripted by Ben Collins. Uh, James Wan's Malignant Man, uh, David Peterson's Mouse Guard with writer Gary Witta, who uh, wrote uh, Rogue One, and producer Matt Reeves. Uh, Mark Wade and Peter Krause's Irredeemable. I know Biggs is a big fan of that one. It's got director Adam McKay attached to that. And the horror comic The Empty Man and more already in development for film. Quote, our industry soul is its storytelling and artistry. And we continue to foster an environment at Fox that serves as home for the world's best storytellers. This investment in Boom allows us to work even more closely with their incredible stable of writers and artists, unquote, said Fox's CEO and chairman, uh, Stacy Snyder. 
Boom CEO, CEO Ross Ritchie assured that with this infusion of cash, they'll be able to bring out more original content, calling Fox an incredibly supportive partner. The founder of the publisher said they, quote, can now greenlight more series from comic book creators, deepen its distribution, distribution relationships, and widen its marketing reach. So if you're a fan of Boom Comics, expect a lot of Fox work going forward. Power to them. Good job. Hmm. On a, another note with Boom Comics itself, Boom Studios is resurrecting the big-mouthed truck-driving brawler Jack Burton in a new comic book being co-written by the film's director, John Carpenter, titled Big Trouble in Little China, Old Man Burton. (laughs) (laughs) It chronicles the adventures of a a tank-top-wearing senior Burton being called out of his Floridian retirement to do battle against the Asian demon sorcerer Ching Dai. Carpenter will share writing duties with Anthony Birch, who wrote for Borderlands 2, uh, interior and cover art shines from the Teen Titans goes Jorge Corona. Here's the official synopsis of the comic. The year is 2020, and hell is literally on Earth. Ching Dai, sick of relying on screw-ups like Lo Pan to do his bidding, has broken the barriers between Earth and the infinite hells and declared himself ruler of all. 60-year-old Jack Burton is alone in a tiny corner of Florida with only his broken radio to talk to until one day it manages to pick up a message. Someone is out there in the hellscape, and they know a way to stop Ching Dai. The premiere issue of this comes out in September. So with those two things kind of together, do you think they might be fishing for a potential sequel Sequel? to Big Trouble in Little China? It's, he could it's do it. come up every, you know, couple of years for ever. Carpenter you know? and they're writing yeah. it. It's age appropriate to where he is now. Yeah. So I'd love to see I mean, Russell do Kurt it. Kurt Russell back I'd, in that role. I'd be psyched, especially after seeing Kurt Russell in Guardians 2 and There's know. there's a board game coming up. I mean, it's It's not like he's gone away, but he hasn't been doing as much anymore. I would love to see him in a, you know, soft reboot slash sequel. I have a feeling that Fox slash Boom Studios is paying close attention to how well this comic sells. Right. It's, I, th- that, I think it's a feeler. That might be why they wanted to be on the board, too. Or it may not even be how it sells. It might be just get the comic out there and... and get, get the name back up and... Get, get right. the brand going. I'm seeing more and more Big Trouble in Little China as I'm looking through news and stuff. Just little things here and there. It keeps popping up in my Netflix queue. It's Carpenter. like a, a, a Netflix is keeping it, uh, yeah. keeping it in circulation. Oh, please let Carpenter do the music for it too. Yes, please. <laughs> yes, please. Oh, I can't wait. That yes. would be awesome. Yes, please. We've got bigger trouble in Little China. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's uh, Pollock's one of her favorite movies. I think it's one of Barry's favorite movies too, if I remember right. But uh, it's that's I mean most nerds from the eighties. Yeah, th- there's big love somewhere in their hearts for that that film. He's gonna resurrect the old pork chop express, <laughs> <laughs> drive it up and out of Florida. Uh, one more piece of news: series creator Charlie Brooker is adapting the Black Mirror franchise into a book series from Penguin Random House, set job. to hit shelves next year. Each volume will feature. Original stories by a roster of, quote, popular writers who have yet to be announced. Black Mirror's Bread and Butter is a standalone story about how technology can ruin our lives with a Twilight Zone twist. Here's what Brooker had to say about the project. Quote, 
All new Black Beerus stories from exciting authors. That's a joyous prospect. And they're appearing in a high-tech new format known as a book. Apparently, you just have to glance at some sort of ink code printed on paper and images and sounds magically appear in your head enacting the story. Sounds far-fetched to me, but we'll see, unquote. The first volume of Black Mirror book series arrives in February with additional installments in the fall of 2018 and fall of 2019. And the fourth season of the television series is scheduled on Netflix for later this year. Black Mirror, the book. Times three, at least. Wow. What's your Black Mirror? Write to us. Comments at UglyCouchShow.com. And until next week, I am Master Targo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. Maple Leaf Matt. And we'll talk to you next week in Geek. I'm still transfixed on our 20-minute our, our opening. Yeah. 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 That, that kind of... Yeah, this is just a appearance into the show before we start. Just that's not just a cold open; that's a glacial open. Yeah, <laughs> that's and then it calved. <laughs> the thunder just going across the heavens as huge portions of it fell into the ocean. And the door opened. Jake came in. Tidal and went wave. To shit. So yeah. I was the tidal wave coming in. <laughs> there, the door. You <laughs> there you go. In your in your white and black. In your in your Mormon gear. Mormon gear. Yeah. <laughs> in your Mormon gear. Can I tell you about another story of Jesus Christ, kids? <laughs> oh, my kids. Yeah, wow. All right. Hello. Oh. My name is Elder 80s. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we didn't go into detail, but just so, you know, um, people don't panic or anything, Andy was in here because he, like, yeah. some bullshit. Yeah. So, you know. Something about actually getting some... What the hell? Something what? about getting money to feed his family. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't, know. I don't know. Somehow it's like more important than we are, or than you are, the, the listeners. Yeah. What? How dare he? What? How dare he? I'm, I'm tired of this shit. Whatever. Last episode tonight. Fuck it. I'm out. <laughs> Great. How cold Bonzo. <laughs> Yikes. Talk about curse. <laughs> the ugly couch show geek shop curse. Oh, terrible curses. Curses! Yar! Er. You know what was a really terrible curse? Albert Costello. Yeah. My God. They're dead. They, they should have... They're dead. Yeah. Oh, the Abbott and Costello meet, uh, you know, Dracula and the Wolfman. Lon Chaney's and Frankenstein. dead. Frankenstein. You know what the biggest Bela curse... Lugosi's the dead. The Hammer Horror films. Or no, even worse, the Universal Monster films. I mean... Tom Cruise better watch out because all the people that were in the Universal Monster movies back then, they're all dead. All dead. All, every single one of them. Gone. Yeah, he might only have like another 30 years Kaputs. of a career. So. Well, 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 based on this last movie, maybe his career is dead. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>